Thank you, Angie. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you will send your Holy Spirit so that the words that I speak may contain the message that you want us to hear and understand in our hearts and minds. Pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The vicar had been a vicar for many years. The curate was very new. And the vicar was very anxious to impress his new young curate and uh, let him know that he would be able to learn a great deal by uh, listening to the things that he had to say. I can deal with any situation that comes along. And he said, for example, he said, I can preach on any subject under the sun at the drop of a hat. Just try me. So the following Sunday, the curate thought he would try him. And in the hymn before the sermon, he handed the vicar a note uh, with just one word on the paper. It said, constipation. The vicar ascended the pulpit steps and announced his text. He said, I'm preaching this morning from the book of Exodus. He said, then Moses went up to the mountain, took the tablets and stayed there for 40 days and 40 nights. Well, our Old Testament reading this morning that uh, Papa Kojo read to us tells us something about that unique visit of Moses uh, to Mount Sinai. Uh, The mountaintop was covered in cloud. Moses waited for six days, uh, presumably spent in spiritual preparation to bring him more closely into the presence of God. And to the Israelites who were down below, the whole episode uh, looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. And it was here on the mountaintop that God gave Moses the tablets of stone with the law and the commandments, some of which we know as the the Ten Commandments. Mountains are wonderful places to be, majestic places to be. And the words grandeur and majestic come to mind when we think of their sheer size and eye-catching beauty. But also those amazing patterns of weather that can catch you out if you're not really prepared Many years ago, I spent time with some other prison chaplains and we uh, did some hill climbing and mountain climbing in the Lake District. And there was one day when we set off in deep mist and by the time we'd uh, spent two hours climbing and stopped for some lunch and our turkey sandwiches were sodden, um, we were getting a bit miserable. Uh, and we thought, oh my goodness me, all this way, all this effort, uh, we're going to get to the top and we're going to see absolutely nothing. And we carried on trudging towards the top and eventually we did get to the top and we did see nothing because it was still extremely misty, except that within five minutes of getting to the summit of this uh, mountain, uh, the wind suddenly began to swirl, uh, the mist began to disappear and within five minutes there was not a sign of any mist at all, blue sky, sunshine and we could see 2,000 feet down to the earth below. A very magic moment really. Mountains so often remind us of our smallness and the grandeur of God. And that scene on Mount Sinai is, Sinai is captured in a hymn that sometimes we sing during the season of Advent. O come, O come, Emmanuel. You remember the verse? O come, O come, thou Lord of might, who to thy tribes on Sinai's height in ancient times didst give the law in cloud and majesty and awe. The wonderful thing is that Moses was allowed to uh, enter the cloud and to experience the presence of God. 
And from the moment of being overawed in the presence of God, Moses then heard what God had to say to him. Because Moses, God wanted to show Moses his glory, but he also wanted to communicate to him some really important things about daily living. I think as we listen to those two readings side by side this morning, it's obvious that there are some parallels, isn't it? Because when we come to that New Testament reading, the story of the transfiguration, as we call it, <clears throat> there are certainly some parallels to the story of Moses. Jesus took Peter and James and John, three closest disciples, up to a mountain with him, normally assumed to be Mount Hermon. And they saw Jesus as they'd never seen him before. We're told that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. And on that mountain, those disciples saw the glory of God. And then they seemed to see two figures, the figures of Moses and Elijah. They were visibly reminded of the way in which God had given the law on another mountain to Moses on the Mount Sinai hundreds of years before. And how God had spoken through the prophets over a period of many years. And the figure of Elijah particularly conjuring up that story when um, Elijah was on a, another mountain, the Mount Carmel, fighting with the uh, prophets of Baal and speaking truth for God. It was an awesome moment. James and John were silent. The disciple Peter, as usual, had to say something. And as we know, sometimes Peter spoke and thought afterwards. And so Peter suggested making three booths or shelters. Maybe it wasn't the right course of action, but I think we can understand why he was saying that something needed to be done. He wanted to capture that moment when they'd seen the glory of God and become aware of his awesomeness. He wanted to, they, he wanted to capture that moment and, and, and keep it in some way. And then they heard a voice from the cloud saying, this is my son with whom I love and with whom I am well pleased. And that was a moment when even Peter was silenced because the disciples were terrified at hearing a voice. But Jesus said to them, do not be terrified, don't be afraid. To become aware of being in the presence of God is an awesome thing for any of us, and rightly so. But it's not one that need strike terror into our hearts. Respect, yes, awe, yes, reverence, certainly, but not terror. Because when God makes us aware of his presence, it's because he wants to come and bless us, and help us, and guide us in some way, not to make us frightened. The wonderful thing is that Moses was allowed to enter that cloud and to feel in the presence of God. And those disciples of Jesus were allowed to enter into the cloud and experience the glory of God. And we too are able to enter into the presence of God and see and feel something of his majesty and his grandeur. Some of the Celtic saints have referred to certain places as being Thin places, thin places. And those thin places are where the spiritual atmosphere of a location seems to make it easy to connect with God, almost as if the barrier between heaven and earth has been removed. 
Years ago, a young couple came to see me about getting married. They'd arranged to come and see me. Um, they weren't able to come to the service at church, but they came uh, on the Sunday evening after the service was finished. And uh, I have to say that the church was a very ordinary kind of church. It wasn't a cathedral or a parish church that had stood there for hundreds of years, marking a place of prayer. It was a simple Methodist chapel that had, in fact, been refurbished and looked very modern. And the couple themselves weren't a couple who would have described themselves as being particularly religious. But he was an actor, quite a dramatic character. And uh, I met them at the door, I took them into the sanctuary, and as we went in, he just stopped. And he said, this place has got atmosphere. And I said, well, yes, it has. Because people have prayed here to God for decades. That man was sensitive and he sensed that there was something there. See, we don't have to be mountain climbers in order to find a thin place. And for that, some of you will be truly thankful, I'm sure. Any place can become a thin place when we regularly practice being in the presence of God. Whether it's with others or whether it's um, our own prayer space at home or in a particularly uh, favorite location and if we pause before we pray we become aware of the awesomeness the greatness the majesty of God I have to confess that I don't remember the theme of every sermon that I've ever heard probably you don't either but maybe there are some that stand out and there is one that stands out in my memory from my teenage years sermon preached by one of our supernumerary ministers a man named Alec Spooner he preached about the grandeur of God one Sunday morning and the awesome nature of God. And then he made a very practical suggestion as he came towards the end of his sermon about praying. He says, instead of rushing into prayer, I must say something to God, begin by being still. Just consider the greatness of the God whom you're coming to pray to. He is the God of all creation and the more we learn about creation, the more we learn there is, realize there is still to learn. And the greatness of God becomes even greater. He is the Lord of all time. So just be still. Think about this God into whose presence you come. Be full of awe as you come to God. Be still in his presence before you speak. And I have to say that on occasions when I've been able to practice that, that message I found it a huge blessing some of you probably do it already if you don't then I commend it to you it is a helpful way of coming to God the last thing I really want to mention is this and that is the fact that there are, is a similar context about these both these stories the story from the Old Testament Moses up in the mountain and the disciples of Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration the contexts are similar. Moses had been called to lead the Israelites out of slavery from Egypt through the promised land, through the wilderness and towards the promised land. But it was a difficult job. It took a long time. It took a long time to get people free from the grip of Pharaoh in Egypt. And then the journey through the wilderness wasn't easy either. And the people of Israel that he was called to leave could be a difficult and they were a quarrelsome people and a fractious people at times 
And in fact, there was an, some period when Moses spent so long trying to sort out the arguments between various people that his father-in-law very wisely suggested that he should appoint some elders to give him a hand and to, to par parcel out some of the problems. But in this time of seeing God's glory and being overawed in the presence of God on the mountain, Moses was being given material which was going to be incredibly useful for that journey and for those responsibilities when things got a bit difficult. The context was one of difficulty and division and quarrelsomeness. In a way, there's a similar context in that story of the New Testament. The story of the transfiguration of Jesus is told by three of the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark and Luke. And they all set it in the, the same context. They all tell the same story before and they all tell the same story afterwards. The story they tell before is the story of Peter making that famous declaration that Jesus, you are the Son of God, the Messiah. The story that follows is the story of when Jesus and the disciples come down from the mountains and they find the other disciples trying to deal with a problem that they couldn't solve. The immediate problem was the problem of a, a man whose son was suffering from epileptic fits. The disciples were trying to pray and bring healing, but, but nothing happened. And that same Jesus whom Peter and James and John had seen transfigured on the mountain, reflecting the glory of God, came and spoke a word, and the boy was healed. And Jesus shows us that the glory of God is available to transform our everyday situations of pain and anguish and problems and conflict and sickness. And when we bathe ourselves in the presence of God, when we come before him and we sense his awesomeness because we come in reverence, he is able to bless us and to transform us and transform our situations. As the Apostle Paul put it, he is able to do for us far exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or even imagine. The glory of God is revealed on a mountaintop so as to show that life on earth can be transformed by the presence of God. I began this, story with, uh, this sermon with the story of a rather arrogant vicar. If our reflections on the glory of God, lead us to a place of awe and reverence and humility, then we shall be in a very good place to begin the season of Lent, which starts on Wednesday with Ash Wednesday, a good attitude of heart and mind, humility and reverence before our awesome God. Amen.